You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. All right, I got a lot of questions. It's been a quarterback-heavy show today. It's interesting. I have Philip Rivers retiring. We know Drew Brees looks like he's going to retire. We were just kind of bopping around a little bit on the Houston front. Yeah. And we don't like to make Houston better, but we think we might have a plan for them. Possibly. Possibly. So we're going to get into that. We talked earlier about backup quarterbacks and uh, Alex Smith, uh, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. There, there it is. We even uh, mentioned a guy by the name of Colin Kaepernick with a connection to Balky. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> we've had these discussions. It's been a qu- quarterback day. We really didn't talk about a lot about Gardner Minshew. I- I'm curious. I believe Gardner Minshew will be here. He should. But I'm, I'm curious at how Meyer and the rest of the staff will look at it again. I, I don't think we can assume this is a normal off season. There will be, a, there could be a lot of flushing. Now the keeping of Trent Balky makes you think he might've had a role in a lot of the players that are here yeah. in, in some way, shape or form. So maybe that means he, a lot of those players will be here and there are a lot of young players. Why would you give up on some of the players? And Minshew included, he's on a young, uh, a rookie deal, a six round pick kind of deal. He's very inexpensive and he's played a lot of football. I'm, and I'm all in on Minshew being here. I do think exploring the idea of a veteran quarterback, if the opportunity presents itself, you don't have to force it. I think makes some sense with Trevor Lawrence as well. So there's a lot of different things going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you asked a question earlier in the show and then we, we never got to the answer of it, but I thought it was a really good question of, okay, we know everybody in Jacksonville can pick the first overall pick. I hope so. Trevor yes. Lawrence. <clears throat> yes. But what happens at number 25? And I'm not asking who, and you're not asking really, who picks, who are they picking? Mm-hmm. But in the debate, what normally happens, at least the way I, I've understood it, is there's a consensus. You know, you have, at that time, you have three, four, five guys on the board. Yeah. Uh, I'll go back. Uh, very much, there's a there's a belief, the year of Taven Bryan, that the consensus was to go get Hayden Hurst. Yeah. Well, then Baltimore took him like two picks earlier. Mm-hmm. And so then you say, OK, well, what's plan B? Now, Lamar Jackson certainly didn't appear to be on their list, yeah. even though he could have been, but he wasn't. And but there's always like a coalition that kind of agrees on everything. Yeah. Now, if you're Jack Del Rio and you're getting uh, some lunch or whatever like that, you come back and <laughs> yeah, find out that trading for Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, yeah. Gene Smith <laughs> took it upon himself to trade for Blaine Gabbert. Well, then that's different as well. And we've heard many a stories, and this is why it's important to be compatible with your GM. Yes. Not necessarily like that of Jack Del Rio that he told, but we've heard the stories of where war rooms get emotional. They'll see a guy that might slip down or they're afraid somebody might take somebody and that they go reach for something that they don't need to do. Mm. I think uh, an example of the Jags reaching most recently was probably Quincy Williams because they didn't have a fourth round pick. They knew they were a little bit in trouble at the linebacker spot depth wise anyway. Mm-hmm. Then the Telvin Smith stuff was happening and they were like, 
we got to take a flyer on one of these guys. That yeah. was a bit of a reach, but that's because of the situation they were in. They had two third-round picks. They didn't have a fourth. They didn't feel like there was much left on the board if they waited to the fifth round. Well, it's playing out like it was a reach. Remember, there were some people who didn't have Quincy Williams even on their board. Yeah. They didn't have video of him. So no, they, they didn't. But that's kind of a Murray State thing. Don't feel bad about that, Quincy, because yeah. they didn't have video on me either. Just come out of the weeds yeah. well, at Murray easy State. Easy now with that Ashton University talk. <laughs> but anyways. Uh, so I, I think... We can all say they have a plan to go in. Everybody's got a plan. But how do you react in the moment, I think, is interesting. And so what you said, okay, Bulky's here. A lot of people think he's in this almost puppet role to uh, to Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. I think it's more than that. I, I think he's leading, help lead the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you asked the question, who's going to make that final call on the 25th overall pick if there's some debate? Yeah. Is it Urban Meyer? Is it Trent Bulky? And by the way, I'll throw in Shad Khan, who... While roster control doesn't mean he's picking the 46th guy and that wants to be active that week, he certainly seems like he has a say and has had a say and will he continue to have a say is a fair question until he, you know, just leaves it all up to Urban Meyer. I think we believe it won't be Khan. So is it Urban Meyer or Trent Baalke making the decision at 25? Great question. Mm-hmm. You asked me. I'm going to say. I, I've had an hour now to answer this question. And think yeah, about remember it. we we, we kind of let it marinate a little bit. Hey, we're we're juicy now, okay? We're we're ready for eating. So I, let's I hear think it. the easy answer here is Meyer, but I'm not sure I believe it. I, like I I I think if Urban feels strongly about something, yeah, you know, let's say at the 25th pick, he feels like Kadarius Tony's a great ad. Okay, right? But Offensive Barmore guy. is is on the board too. And I think he's been linked to the Jags there, right? From uh, Alabama. Yep. And Balky is like, hey, listen, that's a that's a good player right there, sound pick. Uh, that's the guy we're going with. Listen, I've picked Alden Smith in the past before. I picked the Forrest Buckner before. I've I've I know that position. I, sure. I, this guy can play. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a great get. Yeah. Now, does he have a knee injury? They should know about before. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm going with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I I actually believe the homework that the scouting staff has done, and the advice of Balky would win out there more than. Than Urban, I, I I say that even though I wrote differently in my fixing of the Jaguars. <laughs> <laughs> like I I just first of all, I'm having a hard time picturing it's that much of a debate. Like I feel like they're on the same page by that time. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, there's always the circumstances, Brent. I, I guess as I'm talking this out, it's really a no doubter. It's got to be Meyer that trumps everything. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got to be Meyer that trumps everything. The the fact that I just thought about it for that long, I feel differently than the fans do about Balky just being a guy in the building. Mm-hmm. I think he's playing a significant role. He's offering the experience factor. It, uh, well, the experience factor, but also the knowledge factor. I mean, True. the guy's scouted for a long time at the NFL level. Yeah. And and so we can argue and debate like how many good picks he had and how much was really him on some of the success. That's fair. But the guy's done the job, right? Yeah. And, and so And also his staff, like – He'll be at the Senior Bowl. He was at wherever. He watched game tape in person last year. Like, he's seen all this stuff. So I would actually say in year number one, I almost think Bulky will take on almost a more controlled role in this draft than maybe it gets to down the road because there's still an acclimation process for Urban Meyer. I get what you're saying. And, like, listen, at the end of the day, who knows how different their drafts are going to be? Like, who who knows, like, how many discrepancies 
there will be. Because obviously the, the first pick of the draft, you're both on the same page there. I think, though, and why I guess I shouldn't worry about it too much. I mean, like now that we're talking through it a little bit more, I feel a little better. Because whether it is Urban Meyer, which I think it is Urban Meyer, by the way. I think he has the final call. But whether it's Urban Meyer, whether it's bulky, to me that doesn't matter because at the end of the day, like the goal of this draft is to get Urban Meyer guys. Now, Trevor Lawrence doesn't matter if he's an Urban Meyer guy or not. He's even the best quarterback. Yeah. He's my damn guy. Yeah, he's everyone's guy. But everybody else, they should be Urban Meyer type of guys. And the the job of the head coach is to relay the information to bulky and say, hey, listen, this is what I'm looking for, okay? And then it's bulky's job to go out there and say, Okay, I can find you these guys, right? Like, I think Urban Meyer has an idea of what he wants to build the team around. Obviously, he wouldn't be here if he didn't. He's doing his due diligence. And maybe, like, Balky has an idea, but, like, that's not his – like, to me, that's not his job. Like, Balky's not building the culture. Balky is trying to give Urban Meyer the guys needed to build Urban Meyer's culture. So that's why I think that Urban Meyer is going to have the final say – but that's why I also think that it's not going to be that big of a deal because they're on the same page. Now, maybe they, they take different roads, but the destination will be the same. They're getting Urban Meyer guys to fit Urban Meyer's culture. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, let's get Steven on the line real quick. And then I have a thought about Bulky and how this – I feel like this thing has been set in motion for over a year. Hmm. Uh, let's bring in Steven, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. He's been hanging a while. What's up, man? Hey, not too much. How about you guys? You doing good? Yes, sir. Doing great. Well, I have two things. My comment to Bulky, Bulky is pretty much a middleman. Irvin says he wants somebody. Bulky goes to that agent, talks to him. Bulky comes back with the end, and then Irvin gives the final say. He's just the middleman in the money transaction doing the business side. I think that's what he's there for. But my main question, and since Austin is the defensive man, mm. with Joe Cullen as a defensive line coming in for the interview for the defensive coordinator or – this uh, secondary coach, I believe Chris Hewitt, coming in for the interview, who would you prefer because both of those positions was a dumpster fire for us this year. The only one we had was pretty much linebackers because Schobert was healthy all year. All right, thanks. Appreciate it, Stephen. Uh, you know, and, again, there's a lot of reports and, and names flying out there. I, I think there's so many it's almost hard to keep track of yeah. at this point. It seems like every Baltimore Ravens assistant coach, though, Urban Meyer's interested, and I think, there, I think there's certainly an, an affinity for what Baltimore's doing on defense. I, I think that's clear as day. Yeah. You know, when when I heard the name Joe Collin being thrown around, especially even from like a defensive coordinator perspective, I'll be honest, I was a little surprised just because you haven't heard that name a lot in terms of defensive coordinator. He's never done it at the NFL level. He's yeah. done, I think, back in Indiana in college. Okay. He did it like a while back. But like... The, the more that I, I kind of dwelled on it, I let it marinate a little bit, the more I realized, like, I get what Urban Meyer's trying to do here. Because he's bringing in guys like Charlie Strong. Very, like, type A, um, very intense. I, I mean, I, I've never talked to Charlie Strong, but I get the sense he's pretty intense. And, yeah. you know, he, he, he runs a, a tight ship, let's just say. Yeah, I right. would say so. He's pretty, I think he's a very, accountability is a big thing. Yeah. I, I don't think, I just remember him type A and not Texas. Like, he's not Joe Cullen personality. Let's no, just put but it that I'm way. saying, like, when he was at Texas, though, it seemed like he ran a pretty tight ship. I think you're right. I think you there's know, a lot like of that. Accountability is absolutely. But he's almost like, in a way, a kind of laid back, quiet guy okay. while he does it. 
Okay, uh, maybe. I see. Like, I get the more impression that he's more of like the like a drill sergeant a little bit. And and yeah, you can maybe do that in a quiet manner. You can. You can. Uh, Joe Collin is obviously the loud drill sergeant. <laughs> yes, but with that being said, like they're all cut from the same cloth, in my opinion. Like they they all stress accountability. Um, they all stress like finishing the plays. Like there's some coaches out there that are really good X's and O's guys, right? But every once in a while, maybe you'll see a guy kind of slack in practice, and they won't hold him accountable. Yeah, yeah. Strong, Colin. We'll hold you accountable. Yeah. Right? If you have to run after practice, you'll be held accountable. So, like, those Demand names. Excellence. Exactly. So, like, they're all kind of cut from the same cloth. So then the more I thought about it, the more Joe Cullen made sense to me. Um, to answer the question from a, a, a defensive coordinator position, I absolutely think Joe Cullen would be a great defensive coordinator. Really? Because, to me, he's he's molded for that. Now, my experience with Joe Collin, keep in mind, was it was chaos, right? Because I'm used to uh, this guy yelling at me. I'm used to this guy like, all right, how many little steps can I take um, in this drill? You know, like how, how many times can I put my hand in the dirt and take a false step before he yells at me? Like, it was a lot of fine detail things. Now, if I ask you or if I ask anybody that was like at those training camps, you would say, well, he's very loud. Yes. And, 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 and he yells a lot. Yes. Guilty as charged. Larry! Exactly. And listen. Larry! I'll be the first one to say. <laughs> Somebody actually mentioned that, and Larry Hart responded and laughed at that. Did Larry Twitter, respond? Yeah, he responded. Um, you know, as I reflect back on my career, at the time, when I was a rookie, my second and my third year with Joe Cullen, I'll be honest, it, I mean, I was having fun, but it was miserable. Like, it, it sucks getting yelled at all the time. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. Like, who likes getting yelled at? But, Brent, I'll be honest with you right now. I didn't know what all that yelling meant until I got to Kansas City, until I got uh, – to the Chicago Bears when I wasn't getting yelled at, when nobody was giving me the time of day, when I was just kind of like a pawn. And then it dawned on me. I'm like, all right, Joe Collin, he yells at you. That's who he is. He's genuine. But you know what? He's yelling because he cares. He's yelling because he's putting his his whole being into trying to make you better, right? So it's not just yelling for the heck of it. There's yelling for a purpose. And that's what Joe Collin brings to the table. And whether it's over a finite detail of your first step or your hand placement, that all matters. And if you mess it up, you'll get yelled at. So when we take those things, those details, those, um, you know, those mastering your craft, if you will, and finishing plays, and you put that as a defensive coordinator, it's got all the attributes. So that's why I think Joe Collin make a great defensive coordinator. Now, to answer uh, Steven's question, I'm not necessarily sure – they're looking at Joe Collin for a defensive coordinator spot. Yeah, it might be like a run game coordinator. What, what I get the impression line. is what people are saying. I think it was Ian Rappaport maybe said this one. He might have. Where, uh, yeah, or Albert Breer. I mean, they're everywhere, right? Uh, they're looking at Joe Collin from a run game coordinator. Now, with that being said, I'm I'm a fan of Joe Collin, the defensive coordinator. I'm even more a fan as a run game coordinator because that's Joe Collin in a nutshell. Like, There's a reason why I was very good at stopping the run, because all that yelling, all that being held accountable, that transpired to me in the run game. Now, the yeah. past game was whatever. You know, go stats. Brent, you can make a joke if you want to. But, no, no joke. <laughs> but no, but I'm saying, rusher. But listen, but in the run game, it's all about attitude, and Joe Collin can bring that. Yeah, yeah. And I think when you have a new regime coming in, you need a little bit of an attitude. Um, you need a little bit of a nastiness. I think Joe Collin can give you that. So I would be a big advocate of Collin coming. It'd be in. interesting if Joe Collin comes back because I'd like to see how he changed since going around the block a little bit. You know, I know. being in Baltimore. I mean, yeah. cause it's been a bit. So yeah. I mean, and well, people change, right? I mean, and coaches change. And would he still? I mean, is he, does he have any voice left? I'm going to be honest too, man. If Joe Collin does come back, I'm going to put this on Twitter one day. But if Joe Collin comes 
comes back. The Jacksonville Jaguars need to fly Eben Britton from L.A. where he's living or Hollywood, wherever it is. They got to fly Eben Britton back so the very first day that Joe Collin walks on the field, Eben Britton can go, let's get fired up, Joe. Like, listen, listen. And I'm sure you probably witnessed this a couple times. So Eben Britton, you know, offensive lineman Eben Britton, right? Yeah. He knew what was up with our defensive line, right? And it was offensive line versus defensive line. And he knew that Joe Cullen was a loose cannon when it comes to getting fired up. Like, all he needed was a little spark. And all of a sudden, he's, like, yelling. Yeah, yeah. So, Evan Britton, <laughs> just to screw the defensive line over, every single day before practice, we're getting warmed up, he would go to Joe Cullen and yell, Joe, let's get him going. They're slacking right now. So, like, Joe would hear that. And any logical person would be like, Evan, you're crazy. But no, not Joe Cohen. Joe Cohen would take that little spark that Evan Britton gave him, and then he would take it out on us every single day, man. Poor Larry Hart. Oh, poor Larry Hart, man. I tell you what, if Joe Cohen comes back, first of all, we're going to have a lot of good stories on Joe Cohen. So many good stories. But also, I think we should, in an honorary way, bring Larry Hart back to Jacksonville, just <laughs> he, to at least go to a practice to get yelled I, at. I, I don't know. You think Larry Hart wants to come back, man? I, I feel like Larry Hart might be in the corner shaking, man, with some like PTSD or something from Joe Cohen. I'm being serious. Like that, hey, Joe Cohen, I, mean, I felt bad for Larry. I really did sometimes uh so you were talking about this trent bulky stuff i i don't know whether to i think shotgun's pretty smart guy right mm-hmm. i i don't know if he'd want me to figure this part of the puzzle out or not yeah and i don't know if we'll ever find out because i think it's a little bit unwritten rule and uh, don't say it the bottom line is shotgun's job is to put the Jags in position to win as many games as possible. Yeah. The Shotcon's job is to have a vision of when things are going right, when things are going wrong, what's going to make this long-term the best for the organization. Well, when Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone came back, I told you the day it happened, I thought this was about cleaning up the house. Mm-hmm. Tom Coughlin, Jalen Ramsey, Yannick Ngakwe, Nick Foles, Gardner Minshew quarterback stuff, the record had made the house a mess. Mm-hmm. And it's not the time to put the help wanted sign out. I will I will not I will refrain from using for sale because that would take on different connotations. Careful with that one, Brian. So but the help wanted sign was not the right time to do it. Yeah. And I, I think I think that was the right read on the situation. I think there were two th- thoughts. It's not it by the way, this doesn't equate to me thinking he's tanking. It was, hey, We'll give these guys a chance. If they win, fine. But if they lose, we're going to clean it up to the point where when we're ready to hire, you know, we're going to have a job that looks pretty good. We're going to clean up the cap. Mm-hmm. We're going to get away from the NFLPA. We're not going to be a year removed from Ramsey. We're going to actually have those draft picks now. Uh, the Ngakwe situation will be fixed. We're going to trade away Foles, or we're going to have the quarterback situation fixed. Uh, there's a good quarterback draft coming out. We're going to look way better. Now, again, I'm not trying to tell you that he tried to go 1-15. I, I, I don't think you can even do that in the NFL. Mm-hmm. <laughs> look at the Jets, right? <laughs> Jets won a couple games. But, so take that part of it. And I think that's the way it worked out. So I, I'm cr- I credit Shad for having the vision to do that and see what it could now be. Because where this organization is some 12, 13 months later is totally in a different place. Yeah. So let me take it a step further. I believe, I believe now that Trent Balky could have easily been hired to get in that building, see what's going up on this past year. Get a feel for it mm-hmm. under Dave Caldwell. And potentially, knowing there's a relationship with Urban Meyer, who personally I think Shad Khan probably had in the back of his mind for the last 12, 14, 15 months, who knows, maybe even longer. 
could lure Urban Meyer to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And so as you now look back at this, mm-hmm. Trent Bulky's in the building. He knows Urban Meyer. Meyer and Shad have a conversation around February at the Super Bowl. <laughs> the courtship begins in December. The Jags stink. They're going to make a change. And here we are with Urban Meyer and Trent Bulky as the guys. Am I giving – is this, oh, is, did this just coincidentally come together? Or is this something that's kind of been – in a vision for the last eight, nine, ten months, and maybe even longer. I don't know why, but you're basically given the script for Ocean's 14 here, it seems like. Like, it was like the master plan, it all came together at the end, and now they got what they wanted. Maybe you're it's right. pure coincidence? I don't know if it's pure coincidence or not. I think there's some, I think there's legs to that. I honestly do. I just don't know if Shad Khan had the foresight to predict that Urban Meyer was going to come here even last season. That, well, I'm not I don't sure. know if it was a slam dunk, but it would yeah. help lure. It's someone he could work with. They know they had a relationship no, I, yeah. in their conversations. And by the way, if, you, if it doesn't work, then you go get a different GM, right? Yeah. But Bulky's in the building. He knows what he's got. He's kind of, all right, looking around a little bit, peeking at things. And then, yeah. hey, I can work with Urban Listen, Meyer. Listen, I mean, I'm not mad. I'm, I'm not even saying Bulky knew it. Like, Brent. Like, like, this is my territory here. I like it. What I'm trying to find out. I'm I like sure this music, too, by the way. Keep talking for a minute. I need just to keep playing the 20 seconds. It's the shy comes like, hey, Trent Bulky, I got a mission for you. Choose to accept. Yeah, I'm there. Okay, we're going to suck this season. Don't worry about that, though. Our roster's not that good. But next year, let's get Urban Meyer. You know Urban Meyer? Yeah, I know Urban Meyer. We go way back. All right, let's bring him on the team. Sounds good. Boom. By Urban the way, Meyer. when did Urban Meyer talk to Shad Khan? He said Super Bowl? Yeah. Right? I think so. The Jags hired Trent Bulky as director of player personnel on February 4th. Hey. When's that around? Hey. The Super Bowl? Hey. Enough said. We'll see you guys after the break. Brent Martino's dropping news, people. Nothing nothing to say. Say something if you want to, but boom. I think I just did. We'll be back. Put the shades on. Boom. Austin Lane. I want you to put yourself in Leonard Fournette's shoes. Probably a little bigger shoes than you're rocking right now. Shocker. You're wearing sandals, and that's all good, though. Brent Martino. Well, you are, too. They're just like... (laughs) (laughs) just like... I might as well be. I might as well be. (laughs) Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Is this the mysterious music? (laughs) No, 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 no. This is just uh, we're, we're setting the scene a little bit. Oh, this is setting its own. Yeah, yeah. So, Brent, what you got? We're we're doing this show like we always do, you know, and we're just spitballing, we're freestyling a little bit, and you may I like have that. you may have uncovered um, one of the deepest conspiracies of the Jaguars organization <laughs> we've seen for a long that was my time. Conspiracy. This is this is some Dateline Keith Morrison level. Keith stuff Morrison, here. man, I like uh, the narration. Is it, is Can we get best? him to do this? It, no, you're fine, man. You, you, you get that audible chocolate. You're gonna do a great job here. But please share with what you've kind of uncovered here the past eh, couple segments of how this whole Urban Meyer and Bulky thing maybe came into fruition. Coos, the music, please. Is it, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you what do you got for us? So here's the deal. Yeah. On Friday, a little bit of insight on the Meyer-Shadkan relationship. Mm. When Urban Meyer says, they've known each other in the Big Ten days, but the conversation that kind of triggered interest in the NFL even more, and the Jaguars potentially, might have transpired during Super Bowl week in mm. Miami in February. Mm-hmm. 
Super Bowl was played on February 2nd, which means Super Bowl week was prior to February 2nd. That's correct. So I have a discussion. It sparks Meyer's interest. Who knows what was said? There was no offering of the job or anything like that. I can't do that. Of course not. But two days later, on February 4th, Trent Balky, who had not been employed for a little bit since San Francisco, hired as the Jaguars' essentially assistant general manager. Trent Balky, Urban Meyer, go way back. Keep have singing. a relationship. Keep singing. I like your tune. Now, we were also told in late January, when we met with Shad Khan, why are you keeping Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell? Well, we're mm-hmm. closer to winning. Well, then all of a sudden, a pivot in March, a trade of A.J. Boye, mm. the trade of Calais Campbell, mm. more hard times with Yannick Ngakwe in that contract. We now fast forward to a 1-15 season, the playing of Gardner Minshew, then the not playing of Gardner Minshew, mm-hmm. the number one overall pick, the hiring of Urban Meyer, some 10 months after that meeting in February in South Florida at the Super Bowl. It's right there the whole time. Didn't and now tomorrow, that. what I believe will become official, the hiring of the new general manager who was in the building since February 4th, a couple of days after the meeting between Shad Khan and Urban Meyer. I was blind, to now team now up see. with Urban Meyer. I see now. And be a part of the front office of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Don't worry, listeners. Those goosebumps will go away. Goose, call the show. Let's go home. We're, we're done. We just broke it. We're done. I'll see you tomorrow, Brent. Have a good night. See you, everybody. Okay. That's it. Is that it? Did I figure it out? I feel like I solved a riddle. Dude, I'll be honest. Hey, you know, like me, I'm, I'm the big conspiracy theorist guy. I can't find a lot of holes in your accusations right now. I, I seriously can't. Like, it, it almost makes too much sense. By the way, I... And I would, they would have got away with it, too. It wasn't for pesky Brent Martin, though. I'm not even... This isn't an accusation, either. I think this is smart in a lot of ways. I know, man. Right? Yeah. I mean, and I go back to saying what I've said for the last 12 months is they were trying to clean up what a, a job that was not very attractive. Mm-hmm. I, you, don't, you cannot know that you were going to land Urban Meyer. But there's no doubt ever since this job was coming available, even days before, word started to spread that Urban Meyer was a top target. And Urban Meyer was never ruled out to be the top target the whole time. And they end up getting Urban Meyer. Mm -hmm. So obviously the courtship of Urban Meyer, even if it's just in Shad's mind, I'm not saying this is a manufactured plan inside the – I don't think Trent Baalke knew any of this. Uh, I I don't think Urban Meyer knew this was going on. I don't think there were conversations for the last eight, nine months saying, all right, so what are we going to do in 2021 when we do hire you and what moves are you going to make? I don't think there's that level of it. But I just think this was a plan by Shad Khan potentially to look into the vision of potentially that happening. And so what if it didn't go that way? What if the Jags won more games? What if they didn't have the number one pick? What if they couldn't get Urban Meyer? Well, then you just send Trent Baalke on his way and you hire a new GM and a new coach and whoever's the best available, Robert Sala, Ed Dodds, whoever it might be, and and then you move on. Mm -hmm. So, again, this is it's the same thing as what they did, what he did when he brought back Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone. You were cleaning up the look of it. In in a smart way, because it was a mess, I don't even think you would have got the fourth or fifth best option that last year. But you're also at the same time rooting for Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell to prove me wrong, 
right? See, you can do this. If, if you can win six, seven games and show me Minshew's the guy and, and we're in the right direction and you're going to make a lot of good draft picks and we're going to clean this thing up and you can still win, oh, well, heck, we're moving forward with you. But once that didn't transpire, now you got this other plan that's set kind of in motion in his own mind. And by the way, I think that's brilliant. I think that's smart. I think what college ADs do all the time, Dan Mullen might sniff the NFL a little bit. Well, who's next? Mm-hmm. Right? Scott Strickland, you better not be get caught here, yeah. you know, unprepared. You better, in that drawer, all ADs at the highest level have the next five guys that they want to ask to be the head coach of their football team. That's not because they want their guy out. It's not because they want to lose. It's because, just in case, I want to be prepared. See, to me, and we broke this down so many times, and there wasn't really, at least from my perspective, there wasn't um, a method to the madness. There wasn't a rhyme for the reason. When Shad Khan, after the season, says that the goal is still winning, and we took him at his word, face value. And then all of a sudden, we saw A.J. Boye get traded away. And we saw Calais Campbell. And those conversations were like, what happened? Right? Because, uh, yeah, I get money's Okay, the, the salary cap. Okay. But you're trading away these guys, these bridge guys. Like, it didn't make much sense to at least me. I'm pretty sure you would agree with that. So then we're asking the question, like, well, what changed? Like, what happened where you go from, you know, being a man of your word and saying winning so the priority to now it's like, well, let's plan on the future a little bit. Yeah, we asked that how many we, times during yeah. the course of the year? I remember being at, an UNF, answer, at UNF today, yeah. A.J. Boye got traded. Yeah. I'm like, okay, here it is. It's a pivot. Yeah. Right? It's, and by the way, you knew you were going to lose somebody. You might have lost Campbell or Boye. So Boye wasn't necessarily like the, the one domino that fell. Yeah. But then once Calais got traded and, and then before the season when Fournette goes, yeah. you know, all these kind of things. Ronnie are just, Harrison. Ronnie Harris, you know, all of those kind of things then kind of put this in motion to be like, okay, well, if they win, it's a remarkable coaching job. If they lose, you're set up nicely in the future. I mean, and again, that's not a bad thing. Like, it doesn't mean you're trying to lose. Mm -hmm. It means you have a backup plan because, well, losing has kind of been the way it's been. I'm just mad that we're in Miami and it was underneath their nose the whole time. They're they're doing these (laughs) private meetings, Brent. We could have been spy teching on them. We could have been following them. We're supposed to be the A-team. We're the A-team in Miami, Brent. We took the picture like the A-team. And what were we doing? Eating street tacos the whole time, not worrying about it, missing the the big news. We did go, like, catch up with Minshew at the time. I mean, so we did. Yeah. 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 But I I think we need to have a head. Next time this comes about, hopefully it's not for a long, long time. I think we need a little setup in South Florida, though. Because that's obviously the hotbed. It It is the hotbed. Uh, what, what if Urban Meyer's even there the whole time? What if he was meeting with them back then? That's probably illegal, right? Or not? Uh, I don't, okay. Urban Meyer didn't have a job. Okay. And then, yeah, what Urban Meyer's just them? a guest on his what yacht. If, what if he was meeting with them, though? You know how many people I've met with? Should I, should I be concerned? <laughs> Going someplace else? Why don't you tell me, Brent? It's contract year. I need some leverage. <laughs> <laughs> Barstool Brent, can't wait to see you. Uh, the, I, I got a question for you. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. but Because I don't really know... I want to ask the question to see if anything pops up uh, in, in this discussion. Today's inauguration day. Mm-hmm. Obviously, politics ruling the day today. Um, it, it's really like, depending uh, on your view of it, This to me, this is little to do with Trump, Biden, Republicans, Democrats. It's really like the United States of America. This is what we do in January, the transition of power. Uh, this one does feel a little bit different, no doubt, mm-hmm. uh, for a variety of reasons, but The bottom line is it's a peaceful transition of power in the United States of America. That doesn't happen in every country. I mean, read your history books. It's been going on for a couple hundred years here in the United States. And and that's a in many ways, it's a it's a beautiful day. Um, And again, that that doesn't matter your party affiliation. So that being said, now that Joe Biden is the president of the United States, the Democrats are have 
the shift of power, if you will, from Republican to Democrat. Mm-hmm. We saw sports collide quite a bit in the last four years with politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donald Trump's a big sports guy uh, on a lot of levels, has opinions on, on sports. Will we see anything impacted now yeah. with the shift in power politically in our sports world? Mm-hmm. I ask that kind of in like a questionary way, because, in a curious way, because I'm not sure I want to see anything after the last few years where politics and sports seem to combine quite a bit. Yeah, but I yeah, also don't yeah. want to run away from that because there could have been major gains of course, because of the collision of the two worlds. Yeah, it's, it's always on the journey of progress. Um, you know, I don't have a crystal ball in front of me. See, because to me, there's two sides to this. There's, there's two roads that we can travel down with this question. The first thing you can go with, you know, obviously the the social and the racial injustices and things like that. Now, time will tell, right? I mean, um, obviously there's a side right now that's super excited to see Biden get in the White House, and there's a side that's probably not so excited. So um, whether, you know, the nation can come together and, and, and fall under the same umbrella, we'll see with that. But on the other side, which I think is the more logical side in terms of what we think could happen, is the side of COVID-19. Right, because they haven't come close to you know. I mean, the, there's there's vaccines and all this stuff, but COVID nineteen is still a real thing, and it is still affects obviously professional sports and collegiate sports, all types of sports. So, with that being said, I believe Biden. And I don't want to speak for him, but just garnered from what I've heard him say, he's a lot more. Um, you know, where, where Trump was a lot more casual, I think, with with, with COVID-19 and, and the, the, the procedures and the protocols, I think Biden's going to be a lot more stricter with those. So then you have to ask the question, how is that going to affect professional sports? That's a good call. How, how is that going to affect the crowd? Will things shut down? Will things shut down? Um, I think that, and once again, I'm just speaking for Biden here. I have no idea. But I think that whoever's in charge, who, who's ever in power, understands the power of sports. Okay, whether it's from a community standpoint, whether it's from an organizational standpoint, but the power of sports, the power of making money and things like that, like that can revolve around sports. So sports aren't going to go away. I don't think that at all. I think they're still going to have sports. The question comes, though, in terms of the crowd interactions, because the past, let's just call it a year, because we're almost to that point now with COVID-19. Yeah, close to it. The past year, you've been making progress of getting people back at live sporting events for the most part. I wonder if that starts to take a little decline now again just because of the person that's in power now. Yeah, and there, yeah, the, you mentioned it. The rules change, the restrictions yeah. change, the forceful nature of that change, or does it stay at a local level? Mm-hmm. Where like in Florida, obviously it's a little bit looser, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that compared to other places. So we can then, you know, maybe you can watch stuff in, in person in Florida, but you can't in yeah. Wisconsin or Pennsylvania or whatever you name the state. Kuz, uh, bring you in real quick. There's a big speaking of that. Uh, the NBA maybe is kind of – I feel like the NFL has this reputation because of the Kaepernick and kneeling during the national anthem of colliding with politics more than any. Mm-hmm. But don't you kind of get the sense it's really the NBA that's probably collided more so with politics over the last four years than any because uh, it's a liberal organization to begin with, Correct. the NBA is, and, and unapologetically. And you have coaches that speak just straight out against Donald Trump the last four years, from Popovich uh, to Kerr and others, and players. I mean, LeBron James didn't back down. So while the headline has read over the last four years, Kaepernick uh, kneeling for the anthem, Mm -hmm. really the the moral of the story when it comes to sports has really been the NBA uh, on a lot of levels. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah, I mean, think about it. They shut down for, for a day. Remember that? Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, yes. they, they ceased to play in protest. In protest. So yeah. I, I wonder how much they will continue to take a role in politics in the NBA, uh, whether that's yeah. joining hands or not. Well, uh, and, and also, I think it's fair to bring up in this part of the conversation, there's talk about NBA players, right, with the vaccinations there being is. in. They're already in PSAs or they're going to be in PSAs. They might jump the line a little bit to help spread the message. Or just What's the story it, there? Yeah, the, the idea, Adam Silver, I think, talked about it either yesterday or today. And I think Charles Barkley, I sent you guys that clip where he was talking about NBA players should jump the line and get shots. And a lot of his angle was like so that sports can continue to go on but another side of it was to show that it's it's safe to show that it's okay to be, to be a role shot. model in that sense to be a role model in that mm-hmm. sense. how do we feel about that i mean it's it's putting nba players on a platform that's more than sports right and whether you feel right or wrong about it that that's what it is now you know, like, I think that if you take it upon yourselves, and I think it's the right thing to do, obviously, but if you choose to sit out of a basketball game, like your profession, you choose to, to let's just say, boycott for the protest, night. Protest, yeah. Protest, yeah. Because of what you saw someone go through, you know, in a, in a, you know, on, on a video on social media, um, then, like, that's more than basketball. That's more than sports, right? That's, that's being a leader, um, for hopefully a better country, let's just say. So when you get asked to do these vaccine things, I mean, it's not the point of racial injustice, obviously. It's, it's a different subset. It's a point of influence. But it's a point of influence. So I get it. But I get the, I get the idea of it. Yeah. But listen, we can take this out of the sports realm. I think in the state of Florida, or maybe it was all over, but I think it was the state of Florida that smokers have jumped the line. Yeah. We can debate about that. As you should. Right? Yeah, yeah. So we we can debate on who's going to go in the order people go. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the need I, – I probably should pay attention to this a lot more than I do. Again, Bo, I talk sports for a living, yeah. uh, <laughs> quite frankly. <laughs> but, like, are, I don't get the sense. Are people turning down the vaccine, not going to want to get the vaccine? Or is it just the more awareness, the better? I think – Is I, it going to be controversial to get the vaccine? No, no, listen. I mean – I feel like this was any kind of vaccine thing, but there's always going to be skeptics, right? And people will say, like, well, how much do we truly know about it and things like that. Now, I know plenty of people who have got the vaccine and have no after effects, no problems, but there's always going to be the other side that says you shouldn't get it, right? Yeah. So Some people just don't believe in vaccinations. Yeah, just, yeah. just like there's another side that says, you know, there's not a problem in our country with racial injustice. So every once in a while, you got to do your thing to prove, like, you know what, this is this is what we feel is the right thing to do, so let's do that. And you can say the same thing for the vaccinations. You have Adam Silver, uh, the NBA commissioner. Let's uh, hear from him on what he had to say ab- about that. There's been enormous resistance in the African-American community for understandable historical reasons, um, resistance to getting vaccinated. And they're seeing that already, even among the older age cohorts and, and even talking to people who ran the trials for Pfizer, Pfizer and Moderna, there was resistance even there to getting um, African-Americans to volunteer. And that's been, and, and, and even as against other ethnic and racial groups, African-Americans stand out in terms of resistance to vaccinations. Again, you know, for for understandable reasons historically, if that resistance continues, based on the earlier data I cited, there'll be very much a double whammy to the black community because the, the only way ultimately out of 
this pandemic is to get vaccinated. Where our players have great influence, it's also among young people who also seem to be hesitating, you know, just based on uh, because they haven't been eligible yet. So that's Adam Silver uh, talking about the impact. And obviously you're talking about uh, a sport uh, which I don't know the percentages. I know in the NFL it's seventy percent African American players. I don't. I, I would assume it's even a higher percentage. I think in the NBA, but yeah, it's up yeah. around the, the obviously big numbers. So I think yeah. that's why Adam Silver is talking about that community. You know, I I gotta be honest with you, man. I I think there's a lot of ways to go with this, and and I'll I'll sit here and admit to you that you could come back and debate me on some of these things. But I don't know if I would turn my nose up at NBA players, kind of from a PSA type of standpoint Mm -hmm. uh, for people that follow them for communities that could be impacted in a positive way, uh, you know, getting, getting a vaccination, uh, if it's going to do good for people, I have a hard time being super critical of it. I also don't want LeBron James jumping in front of someone that's in an ICU (laughs) or headed to the ICU, you know? I mean, so I understand there's a delicate balance there. It's, um, it's kind of a rough thing because obviously with the NBA, you have a chance to influence the black community and, you know, they can do their part in helping the black community get their vaccines. But at the same time, and the numbers speak for themselves, there's a lot of people out there in the black community that don't trust the vaccine. Yes. because and that's what Adam, history, Adam Silver was. Well, and, and it's because history, I mean, you can look back at a couple times in history, um, the Tuskegee, uh, Thank you. Tuskegee syphilis study, um, I think was in the 30s. Do a little research on that, where it was there was some systematic race and they got put into place and they clinically trialed a bunch of of African-American people and it had bad results. And much of those results were they didn't know what they're getting into. So the history has kind of shown that. And this is a long time ago, Brent, but people don't forget, obviously, right? So when you mention things like that, and now you look at nowadays, it's like, well, people can kind of think two things. They can think, I can get healthier, or I don't trust it because from past experiences and past history. I don't know, man. I just think that, listen, if you're an NBA player and you want to make a difference, and so be it. But if you don't, I completely understand. Like, I don't expect you to get up there and say, I'm getting, um, you know, I'm getting this vaccine for the betterment of the community. Just like, and honestly, man... If you truly don't feel it, I don't expect you to speak on social and racial injustices if you truly don't believe yeah. it. Like, I, I'm not going to say, well, this guy's not talking about Exactly. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to say, well, this guy's not down for the cause. I'm going to cancel him. Like, I don't think like that. I, I focus on the positive, And if you don't want to do it, then so be it. Uh, one other thing to uh, Karis LeVert. How about that out of the NBA? Do you see that? I didn't. Yeah, you see where he yeah. basically credits the trade with James Harden. They had to, had to do, get a uh, physical and they found, physical. like, could have oh, been wow. a... Like, well, they're they're waiting. Last I heard, they're waiting results to see if it's a cancerous lump on his on kidney. his kidney. But, I mean, but Lavert's quote is basically might have saved my the trade might have saved my life. Wow. So yeah. I mean, obviously, as they await, that is yeah. unbelievable. Isn't that insane? It goes to show you you got to check up on yourself. I was gonna man. say because I, I remember say this, man. Why don't we have to get physicals more often? I, I wonder that. Gunter, right? Gunter for the yes. Jaguars. Yeah. Yes. Same thing. Gosh, I almost forgot about that. Story. I know. That was this year. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. All right. Uh, there's something we didn't get to today. Uh, we'll bring it up tomorrow. We'll have to write it down. But it's how to how we think we can actually make the Texans better, even though we don't want to. <laughs> ESPN 690 Houston. Listen, I don't want to make it better. Te- Texans Twitter is killing it right now, Brent. I know. Uh, 
I'm not trying we to dump those hey, claims. We won't out. give away all the secrets. Okay. Yeah, that's that's for the Lions. I would expect Trent Bulky to be named the general manager officially tomorrow. The Jaguars. We're going to be live at Fleming Island Golf Club tomorrow. So it. if you're playing some golf, come check us out. Say hello. Have a great night. We'll see you on CBS 47, Fox 30, ESPN 690. Has live, local, loud. Coming up next. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.